Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created this show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. In 1938, during the Great Depression, Harvard began to track the health of 268 Harvard sophomores to reveal clues that lead to a healthy and happy life in what is considered one of the world's longest studies of adult life. In 2017, after nearly 80 years, the Harvard study of adult development had only 19 of its original recruits still alive and in their mid-90s. Of the original recruits was President John F. K. In the study, researchers focused on the participants' health trajectories and their successes and failures in career and marriage. The results were surprising for researchers. They discovered that our happiness in relationships has a powerful influence on our health. The study also revealed that relationships took precedence over money and fame when it came to sustaining happiness throughout people's lives. These happy relationships were also said to delay mental and physical decline. In fact, several studies found that people's fulfillment with their relationships at age 50 was a better predictor of physical health than their cholesterol levels. Other studies showed that people who were unhappy in their marriages in their 80s felt both the emotional and physical pain of aging, while those in happy marriages just felt the physical pain. In the past, relationships were said to last a long time. According to statistics today, the average relationship sadly only lasts two years. And according to Anna Chu, chief editor of Life Hack, if a relationship can make it through these five stages, it will end up lasting and possibly have a happily ever after. Stage one, passion and romance, also called the honeymoon phase. This is when you are completely head over heels and blinded to your partner's flaws. This is the most intense phase, yet the easiest to endure. Stage two, getting serious. This stage is still within the honeymoon phase and is when you and your partner decide to be exclusive, give each other affectionate nicknames, and begin to share yourself more intimately. Stage three, relationship plateau. This is when stuff gets real. This is when you see your partner for who they really are. Physical touch and intimacy may start to slow down and the butterflies are gone. This is the stage when people begin to question the relationship and whether or not he or she is meant to be with longer. Most relationships don't make it past this stage and many remain stuck here for years. Stage four, moving beyond infatuation. Once you decide to move past stage three and stick with the relationship, a deep and intimate bond develops. This is when serious conversations about marriage, kids, finances, and plans to move in together happen. Couples who make it to stage four tend to experience long, healthy, and meaningful relationships. Stage five, becoming a team. This is when the couple becomes a solid team and decision-making is made jointly. This is the stage of the relationship Chu says everybody longs for, but few reach. This is the true love phase and when the couple has the best chance at making it to the happily ever after. This does not mean there won't be challenges or hardships. It just means that both people are committed to making the relationship work no matter what. Chu adds that a relationship is a choice and once you choose to be in it, do the work and be romantic on purpose. Psychologist Gary Lewandowski Jr. says there are 15 questions to help decide if a relationship has a future, and he calls it the Keltner List for Relationships, inspired by a list used to assess a baseball player's Hall of Fame viability. These questions include, does your partner make you a better person, and do you do the same for them? Are you and your partner comfortable with sharing feelings, relying on each other, being close, and able to avoid worrying about the other person leaving? Do you and your partner accept each other for who you are without trying to change each other? When disagreements arise, do you and your partner communicate respectfully and without contempt or negativity? Do you and your partner share decision-making, power, and influence in the relationship? Is your partner your best friend? And are you theirs? 
Do you and your partner think more in terms of we and us rather than you and I? Would you and your partner trust each other with passwords to social media and bank accounts? Do you and your partner have good opinions of each other without an overinflated positive view? Do your close friends, as well as your partners, think you have a relationship that will stand the test of time? Is your relationship free of red flags like cheating, jealousy, and controlling behavior? Do you and your partner share the same values when it comes to politics, religion, marriage, desire to have kids, and how to parent? Are you and your partner willing to sacrifice your own needs, desires, and goals for each other without being a doormat? Do you and your partner both have agreeable and emotionally stable personalities? And last but not least, are you both sexually compatible? Lewandowski says each question should have a simple yes or no response, and any pause or no just warrants attention or improvement. Consider your responses data points, he says, and use them to make the best decision about whether or not your romantic partner is Hall of Fame material. Today on Love from the Hip, I am delighted to have Sandra Fisher back on my show. Sandra is a past life regression therapist, intuitive healer, and creator of Relationship Reveal, a 64-card deck to help us develop the skills to have a, a fulfilling relationship. She will share how her card deck is helping to change the way we see, value, and have relationships. Plus, later on the show, she will pull a card and do an intuitive relationship reading for you. So don't go anywhere. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A. S-U-T-T-E-R dot com. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at AsteraCare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A Care.com. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. It is my pleasure to have Sandra Fisher return for another show. Sandra is a past life regression therapist, intuitive healer, and creator of Relationship Reveal, a 64-card deck to help us develop the skills to having a fulfilling relationship. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for joining me in the studio today. Thanks for having me back. Had such a good time last time. So I have to ask you, when did you create your deck, Relationship Reveal, and can you share the story of what was happening while you were working on it? Yeah, um, 
back, I think, in 2005, I was at a, a, a spa for the day with a good girlfriend of mine, and we worked together in the corporate world. And um, we did a lot of work with competencies. And I was like, God, wouldn't it be great if we had skills that we knew um, for relationships? Because we're not really taught. We're just socialized into relationships. We see role models and media and things like that that tell us what you know good relationships should look like. Um, but they don't really give us the skills to do it, and they're not great role models sometimes. So right. I said, wouldn't it be great if we had competencies? So about 10 years later, I finally said, I got to do this now or never. So I you know, took out a big brown piece of paper, and I started writing down ideas. And then the deck was born after that. And uh, it was a really, really fun, amazing project. And while I was getting ready to send everything to Amazon to, uh, for my inventory, I was packing up the pallets. And I was walking um, up my driveway, and I almost tripped over a fish in my driveway. And I'm like, this is really bizarre. I don't live near water. Um, and I, I put the things down, and I took a look at the fish, and there were some claw marks in the side. And I said, this is just really, really bizarre. So the guy came to pick up the pallets. We stood, and we stared at the fish. And I'm like, this is weird, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, this is super weird. <laughs> um, and so you know, I, I put the fish away and took a picture and was like, okay, carried on with my life. And then... Uh, about two or three weeks later, I was driving to a meeting at 6.45 in the morning. I was in a wide open intersection in downtown Seattle, and I had this big thunk on the top of my car. And I look over, and there's a giant hunk of bread sitting on the, the hood of my car. I'm like, okay, this is super weird. And I look <laughs> around. There's nobody. There's nobody in the intersection at all. There's no Wonder Bread truck in front of you. No, there yeah. weren't even any birds flying <laughs> overhead. I'm like, this is really, really strange. So... Um, I carried on to my meeting and drove down, made a bunch of turns, drove up a curvy spiral, you know, um, turnstile to get into a parking garage, and the bread stayed on the top of my car. Um, and so I walked in the meeting and I that I was going to, and I said, I had this really strange thing happen. And I told him about it, that I picked it up off of the car, and, you know, it was this big hunk of bread, and then I told him about the fish. And I started thinking about the story in the Bible, um, you know, five loaves and two fish, and so we were like, this is really strange. And some friends said, you know, hey, you should look at it and see if it's kind of a funky shape or anything because, you know, they sell things like potato chips shaped in, you know, like a Virgin Mary or something on, <laughs> on eBay. And you should see if you can maybe sell this thing. And so I went back out to my car and I picked it up and I was like, sure enough, it was shaped like a chubby cross. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is getting weirder and weirder by the minute. So I set it on my seat um, and I went home and my daughter, unfortunately, sat on it before I got a chance to sell it on eBay oh, or take darn. a picture of it in its cross form. <laughs> um, and then in talking to my neighbor, I discovered that the original fish in my driveway was dropped there by an eagle that during that day, a female eagle had flown in between our two houses and then sat on my front porch for a while. And so I presume that was probably the eagle's lunch. Um, so, you know, fast forward another couple weeks and my daughter and I were taking a vacation um, for my birthday and she really wanted this dress. And I've never seen her want a dress before. She wore yoga pants and camp t-shirts. So I was like, okay, I got to help her find this dress. And I said, well, tell me what the brand name of the dress is. And she said, well, it's five loaves, two fish. Oh, my God. And I, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is really, really weird. I got I to gotta look all this up. So I started really looking up the symbolism um, in these things and, and what it meant. And there was the story in the Bible where, you know, Jesus uses the five loaves and the two fish to feed 5,000 people. Um, and it's listed, you know, in many ways in the Bible, I believe. I'm not a, st a, st a student of the Bible, per se. Um, and then, you know, I looked up eagle spirituality and, um, you know, what that means. And it's, there's a lot of spiritual aspects to it about having faith and, and knowing that the future holds all kinds of possibilities and strength and leadership and devotion. Um, so the eagle itself, as the delivery mechanism, the fish, meant a lot of different things. And so, okay, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what this means in my life. Right. So I go on this vacation and I'm staying in Italy. I was turning 50 and was staying behind this uh, Church of St. Luke. So I was like, okay, I got to look this up. All these things are meaning things. So I looked up the Church of St. Luke, and there was, uh, um, when I looked up Luke, he was, I think, the patron saint of artists and writers and things like that, which was, you know, this was all written material. And, um, but I found a web page that said, and Jesus said to St. Luke that, you know, essentially I could never find it again, so I can't quote it exactly. But um, the weird part was is that it was in bold at the bottom of the page, and it said, Things will be revealed to you, and it may not make sense at the time, but just have faith and know 
that things are coming and it will all make sense eventually. So I was like, okay. So I went back and I looked for the website later on. Could never find that page <laughs> ever, ever, ever. I looked hmm. a million different ways and I'm a good searcher. <laughs> and um, I also cross-referenced like what Luke said to Jesus and Jesus said to Luke. And I could never find any reference to this conversation or this dialogue. And I'm like, okay, this is really weird. Right. So again, you know, fast forward a, a couple of weeks and I was on the island of um, Sicily and I was looking at this, I kept running into this giant statue, like three or you know, five stories tall statue of Mother Mary with a supplicant at her feet. And I was like, oh, I just want to be near that statue. It's so beautiful. But the whole time that I was there, every time I would turn around, it would be like there'd be a freeway or a building or you know, a million different things between the statue and I could never get there. And so I was kind of disappointed. But the morning that I'm leaving, I stopped because it was really early in the morning. There was one of the most gorgeous sunsets or sunrises I'd ever seen. And so I stopped and got out of the car to take a picture and just basked in this beautiful moment. And as I was turning around to get back in the car, there she was. <laughs> and there was nothing in between us. There was, she was just right there. And I was like, oh. And so it was this consistent message, have faith, put your intentions out there, you know, believe that something is possible. Um, and why were all these messages coming forward? What was going on? Because you had you had just finished your book, your card deck. Or? Uh-huh. I had just finished the card deck. I was putting them out in the market. I was starting to sell them, um, and everybody up until this point had really poo pooed my idea. And they said, "Oh, this is never going to work. There's way too much stuff in the relationship space. There's way too much. Um, you know, there's already a lot of voices out there. It's too much work. No one's no one's going to buy this. And mm-hmm. it may be as uh, the greatest thing ever." Um, but you're going to have a really difficult time selling it. And your greatest achievement is going to be just that you did it. And I just, you know, the universe kept telling me, have faith. You have to put this out there. You have to do it. This is going to help people. This is going to make a change, make a difference in their lives. It's going to teach people something. Um, And so all along the way, I mean, even in the creation of it, there's 64 cards. So there's 63 skills with a blank card for people to fill in something I might have missed. And every single time I would try to take down the number of skills, I tried to get it down to like 52, so it would be like a card deck. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it kept coming back to 64. So in numerology, when you break 64 down, it becomes the number one, which is the number of new beginnings um, and new opportunities. And the same, um, there's 64 um, patterns in the I Ching, which is also the book of changes. And so every time I turned around, there was some sort of spiritual message. It didn't really matter what spiritual tradition it came from. Um, And even a few weeks ago, I was in my front yard and I was doing some weeds and I look over and I'm like, what in the heck? There was a corn, randomly a stalk of corn growing in my front yard. (laughs) And in my head, you know, in my little clairvoyant skills, my head was like, okay, got to look that up. Right. And, you know, the corn is a symbol in so many cultural traditions of, you know, abundance and sustenance. And again, you know, it was just another sign of have faith and keep going. And, you know, you are doing things and this this tool, these things that you're providing are going to sustain people. So it's just about all we came together about having faith that's and a, believing in what you're doing. Yeah, that's a remarkable story. Now, did you believe in signs prior to all of that happening? I did. And so I kind of knew to look for them. I'd had a, a pretty remarkable trip to Ireland where I had some similar signs, which is like, don't try to force things. Don't make things happen before they're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll know when they're ready. And so, you know, that's why I don't give up on anything very easily because it's like, okay, well, maybe it's not time right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's, you know, just wait and be patient. And so I think that's one of my universal life lessons as a person is have a lot more patience because things can sometimes take time. Divine timing. Mm-hmm. It is divine timing and right timing, yeah. Now, had you grown up religious? So were these, you know, messages that were speaking to your upbringing or? I had the most mishmash of religious upbringings. Um, I, I was mostly Episcopalian, but there was Methodist, Baptist. Um, you know, my grandfather was Jewish. Uh, so I kind of got a whole bunch of things, but you know, it all came together in a, a spiritual package. And so I look at where all of those religions come together. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, it, inner, all spiritual practices come together and they align along uh, a really similar axis. And it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And so the heart of it all typically is love and kindness, which is one of the things that's my core value yeah. in the world is coming from a place of love and, and being really as kind as humanly possible. And that's a great place to come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can I ask you, you touched a little bit on this about why you created the deck, but where else do you think we have gone wrong when it comes to relationships? 
we invest in them too late. It's sort of like retirement. Um, I always tell people when we're working together or people that are skeptical um, about working on the relationships, it's like, you know, you don't wait to work on it until, you know, you don't, don't start saving for retirement once you're retired. Right. So don't start working on your relationship when it's past its expiration or when it's, it's really almost past the point of no return. Um, and there's been a lot of damage done. And we should invest in all of our relationships, not just our intimate relationships, but with our families and our friends. It should be an ongoing, um, consistent effort. And I was talking to someone the other day about, you know, everybody talks about relationships or work, but it's really not about work. It's about effort. Mm. And relationships are really just about effort. And um, Yeah, because it's not work if you want to show up for it, right? Right. And just a like of, a job isn't a, you know, yeah. isn't a job yeah. if you're passionate about it. And, and putting that effort into ourselves more than anything else. I mean, I think that's another place where we go wrong is we look to the relationship to fix something when really when we should be looking internal. So when I was working on you know, doing a lot of the research to put the deck together, mm-hmm. that became uh, one of the more clear uh, learnings and takeaways for me was that the most important thing we can bring to a relationship is a healthy self. And part of that is knowing who you are, having a really strong sense of self-worth, knowing what you what you want, what you need, being able to communicate it and not being afraid of it. I mean, so much there's so much stigma and taboo in our culture um, that we become very scared uh, to ask for what we need and what we want and coming from a place of, you know, this is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so we have difficulty communicating that. And so that was one of the reasons why I created the deck was to give people a vocabulary um, for talking about things. Like, I found this fascinating that in some studies, um, space, having personal, you know, space for themselves was way more important to people than sex. Because if they had space where they could just be self-determined in that space and they could explore and be free, they could bring so much back to the relationship that... um, uh, that that then inspired you know, lots of other exciting things, much more fun and play, whatever that might be for yeah. somebody. So. Which was really hard during the pandemic <laughs> yes, in 2020 <laughs> to find that little bit of space. That's where we came up with the she sheds and yeah. you know, man caves. Yeah. So how would you define a fulfilling relationship then? I think a fulfilling relationship is one that, that meets your needs and where you feel you are your best self. I mean, you said it in, in your intro um, you know, one of the questions was, you know, are you a better person because you're here mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a relationship makes you the best possible person you can be. It adds to you. Um, you should come a fully formed human being as a, you know, we're always a work in progress. There's always an evolution. Places we're expanding. Um, but we should come and be as healthy as possible. We should show up as healthy as possible and, and be vulnerable with one another and continue to expand and grow. So it's really about, does this make me happy? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, am I happy here? Right. Am I joyful? Is this the best possible way I could spend my time in this life? And would you say longevity speaks for the success of a relationship? Absolutely not. It drives me nuts when people say, oh, you know, we've been married such and such years, 35 years or this many years. And it's like, well, okay, how many of those years were really happy? What have you gotten out of those years? Because time Time can be a measure for certain things, but it's not a measure of success. And I think, you know, I, I can speak from my own personal experience. There's, um, you know, people feel a lot of failure when a relationship doesn't work. But our perspective is that there's only one box a relationship can fit in, and that's one that lasts forever th- throughout your lifetime. But maybe a relationship wasn't supposed to last that long, and maybe everybody in it got everything out of it that they needed, and it's okay to move on. There's no shame in it. So if a relationship lasted two years, but it brought you the most amount of joy you could imagine, and then it ended for whatever reason, is it a failure? No. Mm-hmm. Um, it's success. And if we look at relationships through a different lens of like longevity as the measure of success, then more people might be willing and open to either change or leave the relationships that they're in to something that might be more fulfilling, or they might do something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can we don't have to look at it as a failure. In a sense, they just they just commit to a long relationship and then give up. Is part of it, right? Yeah, like not do the work. Yeah, um, I, I think I think people can even do the work and decide 
it's not right for them or they do the work and it takes them to a whole new place. Right. So, so it's, it's being willing to let the relationship be what it is and mm-hmm. not putting a measure on it that's purely arbitrary, which is like length of time. Right. Um, so. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to take a break, but stay tuned for the weekly skinny up next. And if you would like an intuitive relationship reading from Sandra, call in 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. On this weekly skinny, I would like to share 100 years of bizarre beauty hacks, which was presented by 49 Looks on YouTube. In the 1920s, the secret to smooth skin was adding mercury to their face cream. Instead of the desired youthful skin, they ended up with dark circles around the eyes, black gums, and even loss of teeth from the mercury. Shockingly, mercury is still being found today in skin creams, especially those that are skin lightening. In the 1930s, really thin eyebrows were in, especially those with lots of curvature. Women would razor off their natural eyebrows and pencil in very thin ones. In the 1940s, they added salt to their cleansers for smooth and flawless skin. There was some validity to using salt as it makes for a great exfoliant although it can be too drying if used too much. In the 1950s, women were told to smile a lot to help make their bust bigger. Beauty magazine articles said smiling helps to work your neck and chest muscles. In the 1960s, tanning was in, and women wore oil and vinegar when laying out. Sunscreen wasn't even around yet, which meant sadly many women were burnt to a crisp. In the 1970s, there was a lot of focus on hair, and women were using an actual iron to straighten their long hair by bending over their ironing board. In the 1980s, big eyes were in. Joan Collins' hack for big eyes was applying mascara under a hair dryer. This allowed for each layer to dry faster and for more to be applied. In the 90s, the hair hack for a hair dye was using Kool-Aid. Adding Kool-Aid with water and conditioner could change your hair color instantly, but be a bit sticky in the process. This one is still a trending hair hack for people today. It is now recommended to use the sugar-free Kool-Aid packets to alleviate the stickiness. In the 2000s, the eyeliner hack was to place the eyeliner in the inner corner with your eyes closed and glide it from side to side in order to perfectly line the top and the bottom. In the 2010s, vajazzling became the trend. This entailed decorating the genital region with glitter, gems, and stones. In fact, Jennifer Love Hewitt is known for her whole chapter devoted to vajazzling in her book. Results only lasted for 7 to 10 days. Who knows if this is still trending, but Wikipedia has a whole page devoted to it. The question remains, what will be the beauty hack of 2020? We certainly had a lot of time to experiment at home, that is for sure. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial designed for your rugged skin. A deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A. Skinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the pleasure of having Sandra Fisher return for another show. Sandra is a past life regression therapist, intuitive healer, and creator of Relationship Reveal, a 64 card deck to help us develop the skills to having a fulfilling relationship. And if you would like an intuitive relationship reading from Sandra, Call in 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So, Sandra, I was wondering if you could tell us who these cards are intended for. Well, you know, when you go out and you're, you're, write, you're writing, people will say, what's your target market? And, and I hate it. You know, they hate it when you say everybody. Um, <laughs> but in this case, actually, I think it's everybody because everybody needs to learn really solid relationship skills, whether you're on the playground in kindergarten or, you know, you're 80 years old and you're trying to get along in your senior community. Um, but it's it's anybody who really wants to knock it out of the park um, in their relationship space. 
And so um, it can, I know people who, um, and I've worked with people who've used it around the dining room table in the evening. The whole family picked a card and talked about it and said, okay, what does this mean to you? What does this look like? So, um, you know, the kissing card is, a, is a, always a really funny card for me because, you know, very few people don't like kissing. But, you know, I had a couple I was working with and they both chose the kissing card as, as something that was really, really important to them in their relationship. But then when I dug down and I said, okay, well, what does that look like for you? And one of them said, okay, well, I'm, I really love, you know, romantic situations and being out and kissing by a moonlit lake. And you could see the other one getting noticeably stiff and you know, kind of <laughs> anxious. And I said, okay, well, what does it look like for you? And that person said, well, I'm really uncomfortable with PDA, you know, and I don't like kissing in public and I might hold hands, but beyond that, I'm, it's not my thing. And so what would happen is the dynamic is one would come in to, to kiss the other one and the other one would get noticeably stiffer. The other one would then feel rejected and right. sad and there would be this anxiety spiral. And, you know, if they, they weren't talking about it, what that meant for them. But once they did and they talked about what it looked like for them and how it felt, then they came up with some, some, some solutions and they could address it with humor because humor is such a great way to address differences and, and conflicts sometimes before it spirals out of control and gets and gets way beyond um, a, a particular, you know, a, a particular place. Yeah. So they were able to talk about it and figure out, okay, here's how we can make this work. Here's how I can get my needs met. And the other person says, okay, here's how I can get my needs met. That's great. It rolls out the assumptions uh-huh. that we make in our, mo- in our minds, the stories, right? Right. And so oftentimes, you know, people can say, okay, well, I really want you to trust me. But then they don't take it another step deeper. And I think one of the most important questions that can come out of any of these cards is what does it look like for you? What does it mean when you trust someone and someone trusts you? What does it mean to be vulnerable? What does it mean when someone's vulnerable in front of you? And I think, you know, we've had some great um, public figures that have talked a lot about vulnerability um, and definitely gotten people more open to the concept of shame and vulnerability and, and being able to express ourselves, um, you know, even our deepest wounds. But the part where I think we still are doing a lot of catch up is how do we then learn to hold people in the space of vulnerability? How do we get them past that place um, so that they are more comfortable with whatever issue that they're having, wherever they're expressing vulnerability? So I know how, I think a lot more people know better how to express themselves, but how do we hold somebody being vulnerable what do we do right and that's that can be challenging for people and so and do you think a lot of people just don't want to ask because they just don't want to know the answer I think that happens a lot they don't want to know the answer um and it can be work they have to dig a little deeper into themselves and sometimes that answer is going to require that they make bigger changes in their life Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily want to make those changes Mm -hmm. um it can be very destabilizing for people so they're willing but at least then they're making a conscious choice. They know, I'm not going to bring this up because I don't want to. And yeah. I'm willing to make the trade-off. But if you don't consciously make that choice, then you can find yourself um, you know, in a deeper state of unhappiness. So your disconnect. cards help to instigate a conversation. Yes. Which is great. So how do they work for people who are single? And can it work for people who are single? Oh, 100%. So, you know, I work a lot with the law of attraction and, you know, whatever energy you're putting out, what intentions you're putting out, that's what comes back to you. So if you're single and you have this deck, you can go through it and really prioritize what are you looking for in a partner? Um, What do you want to bring in for yourself and your relationship? So it's not enough to say, I want a relationship because the universe will deliver a whole bunch of different things possibly to your door. But the more... um, specific you can get about things that are really important to you, then you can attract those things. So you can go through, you can pull cards, and it really makes you think, what is really important to me? Um, Is it super important that I have someone who has a positive attitude, who really likes, um, who takes responsibility, who manages their money really well, um, who is fun and adventurous, or, you know, is something else more important to me? Um, And it can help you put together that list of things that you want and then put that out in the universe. And I tell people, put the cards out there, take a picture, put it on your phone. You see it every day. You mm-hmm. have that emotion behind so it. So manifest it. Yeah. So you totally yeah. manifest it. So you can use that's these awesome. to manifest. And it mm-hmm. helps with the clarity, like you were saying. What does that really mean for you? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, we have a caller on the line, so let's go ahead and take Nancy from Tacoma. Nancy, are you there? Hi, Nancy. Hi. (laughs) So I have to ask you before we do a quick reading here, are you in a relationship or are you single? I am so long time single. That's my question. Okay. That's my focus. Um, Is there anything in particular you want to know? Uh, what, uh, what can I do to, I think, become more open? I think I'm just not open to a relationship. I have lots of close friends and a big community, and it's almost like, I don't know, it just, it's perplexing to me. Mm-hmm. I'm a great person. Well, <laughs> the, the interesting... like, well, gee, you're so fun, you're so great, but what's up? The interesting thing, the card that came up um, that I pulled for you is the Be Curious card, which is, um, and the way that I'm reading that for you is be curious about yourself and really look, um, do some internal deep dives as to where you're blocking your relationship energy. So be curious about what you want and be curious about how you might go about setting strong intentions about what you want to bring into your life. It looks like there's maybe some fear um, around a relationship coming into your life. I'm what's popping up is maybe a little bit of, Oh, I really want to have a relationship, but I'm a little bit afraid to lose my independence. Yeah. I feel Um, that too. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. And so how, you know, it's absolutely possible to attract a relationship into your life that gives you the sense of freedom that you want, that you've had for a long time. Um, and that's kind of self-determination. So I recommend, you know, be, be curious about, you know, what you want and how you might go about setting really strong, powerful intentions. Look at some work around the law of attraction um, and just get clear. So be curious about yourself. Okay. And you should pick yeah, up one of her decks. <laughs> I've given up in a way. So this is great advice. Thanks. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give yeah. up because what you want can be yours. And uh, I, I, I never, I don't give up really. Okay. <laughs> I actually see that there's, you know, there are a couple people that are kind of standing there on the edge of your field that are waiting to come in because they too see how great you are, but you have to be willing to invite them in. Yeah, I think you're standing in your own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we all do that, new, right? New people or people <laughs> I already know? Do you have that feeling? Uh, let me look. Um, I, think, I think they're kind of people you already know. What do yeah. you think? Do you get a sign? I'm getting new people. New people? Yeah. As long awesome. as you get out of your way. Yeah, as long as you quit, quit blocking yourself, Nancy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, not to toot either of our horns, but, I mean, um, you know, one thing you can do to, there are lots of resources out there to assist you in the work. So you can, you can reach out to either one of us and help to remove those help blocks. Help to remove those blocks. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I hey, hope that helps, oh, Nancy. Awesome. Yeah, that gives me something to work on. So I appreciate that. I'm just, you know how I am. Don't be that way, right? You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for calling in. Thanks. Bye-bye. So how do we use these cards with our children? Um, You know, it's a great way to talk about family values. So as parents, you can go through the deck and you can pick some cards out. And again, dinner table conversation. They say that's one of the best places to foster a really strong relationship with your kids. And um, you know, to say, hey, these are these are really important to our, you know, to us as a family, and these are things that we think really build strong relationships. What do you think? Um, and it's just a great conversation starter. Um, you know, I have a daughter who's you know in high school, and um, it's a great way to talk to her about things and relationships, and you know, yeah, because we don't do it. No, we, we don't, don't do it in school, and Mm-mm. it's so necessary, and it helps us in our adulthood. So, yeah, 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 it's there's, wonderful. There's a book in the in the box that goes with the cards, and I believe you know even if you don't use the cards at all, if you read that book and you pick a card and you read one through ten minutes every day, you're gonna just by the fact of reading through it, you're gonna get really great pieces of information that are gonna help you. That's wonderful. Well, with that, we're gonna take another break, but everyone, stay tuned for more love from the hip. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. 
Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R dot com. I want to take a minute and invite you on over to the Love Shack. It's a little old place where we get to get together, explore fresh perspectives, eavesdrop on juicy conversations, and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships. And we're Tom and Stacey Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST, 1150 KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Is your tween starting to experience a change in their skin? Want to get them on an easy at-home routine and have good skin hygiene? Allow Sakura Skin in Mind to help your tween out. This brief, deep cleansing and educational 35-minute facial is just enough to get your tween, ages 10 to 12 years old, started off in the right direction. Sakura Skin in Mind uses the latest in the clinical skincare industry to care for your tween the right way. Sakura Skin in Mind, treating skin out there with an ounce of treatment and a pound of protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmind.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us today, I have the great pleasure of having Sandra Fisher return for another show. Sandra is past life regression therapist, intuitive healer, and creator of Relationship Reveal, a 64-card deck to help us develop the skills to having a fulfilling relationship. So we have Cindy on the phone from Arizona. Cindy, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So I have to ask, are you in a relationship or are you single? I'm married. Married. <laughs> I'm okay. in a relationship. <laughs> okay. And do you have a specific question that you would like to know? Um, no. No, I'm okay. just listening to Sandra. Okay. Well, I pulled two cards for you, actually. Um, one was empathy and the other was be proactive. And I think that they kind of go together. So when I look at your energy and I look at um, you know, why these cards came up for you, it's really about um, being proactive and really looking and being proactive at understanding the feelings and the experience of your partner and helping take a deeper dive into what is going through their mind and what is what is their experience in the relationship and what is their experience in life right now. Okay. How does that feel for you? Uh, good. Interesting. <laughs> okay. He's standing right here beside me, so it's like, hmm. Okay. Well, um, so... So take, take, take those, um, how they fit and most resonate with you, and, um, and see, what, uh, see, how they, see how they feel. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. All right, thanks for calling in. Can I do it, still listen, or is it? Of course you up? can, but you, yeah, you probably want to hang up, though. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. So I have to ask you, how else do you recommend that we use these cards? Um, you know, one of my favorites is that, you know, once a week, whether you're single or you're partnered or you're family, pull a card from the deck and take a look and explore it and see if there's something on there that might jumpstart an idea for you. Because each card has some ideas about how you can employ that skill better in your life and some questions that are food for thought. So, you know, tape it up on your mirror, put it on your kitchen windowsill so that, you know, for a week or two, every time you see it, you think about it and you're like, oh, I'm reminded now I need to be kinder to my partner or I need to be more vulnerable or how can I find places where I could employ some adventure um, or where I can learn something this week. So or maybe even be more honest. So I like the idea of putting it someplace really visible. Only leave it there for a couple of weeks because after that it, you cease to see it anymore in the same way. Um, and that's probably the easiest way that people can can use it and get some benefit from it and change out the card every okay. couple of weeks. 
And I like how you shared that you did a lot of research when you created these cards. Not only did you channel, but you did you did the research. So how have couples therapists been using your deck? And what successes have they found? I think you can, when they've used them in session with clients. And so a lot of times, you know, couples, by the time they come to a couple therapist, they're, um, you know, they're really angry with each other. And so these cards can actually become a neutralizer. So a therapist can use them and, and say, okay, I want each of you to take, you know, pick three of the cards that are really important to you right now. And then they can talk about it and the, the therapist can guide them through a conversation sharing why and, you know, why those cards are more meaningful and how they're playing out in their relationship. Um, that's one of the many ways that a, a therapist can use them. Okay. And how do you incorporate your deck with your clients? Oh, it really depends on, um, you know, what the, what, what the client is coming in um, and they're trying to do. So I'll use them sort of to help people set their intentions um, and to look at, you know, really follow their own intuition as they go through the cards. What do they need to work on? You know, what is a really important thing that they can expand in their life, a skill that they can do better? Because all of us have room for improvement. So it's really helpful when we look rather than, you know, it can narrow things down for people. When, when a subject's too big, um, it becomes difficult to, to put it in the palm of your hand and, and make it manageable. By picking, you know, by looking at a card and saying, oh, I really need to get better at being more accountable for my behavior or taking responsibility for things in my life, like managing my money better or taking care of my health. So it can really help us look, um, you know, helps people look at, at what they can, where they can grow and do better. Yeah, um, it's more of a microscopic view, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. So I was hoping you could share a few of your cards with us today. Sure. Um, some of my favorites, um, you know, well, my, my personal favorite card is the kiss card and the kindness card, but I love the kiss card because it's just, such a sweet and simple reminder of how we connect with people, whether it's, you know, um, my grandma died a couple years ago and she kissed me on the cheek right before she died. And uh, I can still feel it on my mm. cheek sometimes. Um, but I love the positive attitude card because positive attitude can really change anything, any situation. If we come into it really thinking um, in, a, in an uplifted kind of way, even about difficult subjects with the idea, you know, uh, something good can come out of this no matter what it is. Um, I really like that card. I like the vulnerability card. I mean, it's opening up and taking a risk despite the possibility of being hurt or disregarded. It's hard to be vulnerable, um, but I think it's super, super important even when it's difficult. Um, taking responsibility, you know, it, all of us need to take more responsibility in our lives um, in almost every aspect of it. So are we owning our stuff? Are we responsible? Um, are we showing up for ourselves and then thus showing up for the people around us, whether it's our pets, our parents, our kids, our partners, our friends, um, and taking responsibility for what we bring to the table and not always putting it on someone else and saying, you know, hey, this is you. This is on you, not me. Um, and really looking at, at what we want that way. And again, I go back to what I said kind of when we started this, knowing your value, having a really strong sense of self-worth and a belief that you deserve all the abundance in your life, whether it's love, um, fun, money, experiences, a good job. Um, it's really believing that all of that abundance is yours and then allowing it in. So it's kind of a, a multi-step process. And I love that your cards kind of put a positive spin on self-growth and self-development. It, it doesn't have to be so hard, as you said. You mm -hmm. can simplify it. But it also can be so positive and rewarding and mm -hmm. also fun, right? Yeah, it can be really I fun. mean, these aren't meant to cause arguments between you and your partner. No, no, no. These aren't meant to do that at all. In fact, it's, you know, you may have heated discussions about it, but hopefully it can help you get to a more positive place about something. Right. And a deeper connection. And a deeper connection. Past yeah. that stage three, that relationship plateau that Chu talks about, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I also encourage people when they're dating initially, it can be a great way to get to know somebody mm. is to go through and, and pick some cards and, you know, sit and have a glass of wine, pick a card, talk about it. So it can work through all of the stages. Um, you know, if you're planning for your retirement, what do you want for your retirement? 
do a value spread. And there's there's instructions in there for all, you know, a bunch of different ways that you can use the deck. And so one fun thing is at the beginning of every year, you sit down with your family or your partner or yourself and say, what is it I want for this year? I want to have more fun. I want more laughter. I want to work on my own positive attitude. I'm going to take responsibility for some some things and um, I'm going to be more kind. So New Year's resolution. Right. Yeah, Yeah, you can do your New Year's resolution spread and, you know, take (laughs) a look mid-year. How am I doing on these things? So I have to ask you, where do you hope to grow from here? Oh, gosh, I hope to get this in more people's hands and getting more people to use them. I think people are really afraid of doing it and it takes some effort. So I, that's, I hope that that's what happens and I hope that, you know, I can help people be happier and, and, and have stronger connections with themselves and with other people in all the forms that we connect. That's fantastic. And you have some upcoming classes. I was hoping you could share those really quick. I do. So I, I work with people's energy. I'm a clairvoyant. I do intuitive readings um, and hypnotherapy, as you suggest, as you said. Um, and I teach energy management classes. So um, tools and, and things that help you manage your energy, manage other people's energy in your space, and also become uh, more intuitive and work on your own intuitive skills. That's Great. And so how can my listeners learn more about that and also book a session with you? Uh, yeah, they can go to my website, which is SandraFisherHealingArts.com and uh, send me an email or give me a call on the phone and we can talk about how what I have to offer might meet your needs. Awesome. And is there one last message you have for everyone about relationships? Um, everybody comes to the table doing their very best. And if we make that assumption that people are doing the best that they can, then we can sometimes depersonalize things and be more patient, be more patient with others and come from a place of love. Lovely, I completely agree. Well, thanks again for being here today, I really appreciate it. You're welcome, thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, I love spending time with you. So, it's great. Wonderful, and thank you to Eric, my talented producer, you the listener, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com, Really love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at sakuratlovefromthehip.com and tune in next Wednesday for another episode of the Conscious Coaching Hour where we will be discussing taking responsibility for yourself. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.